So hey, this is Brad and Mike with Office of the CISO. Today we're talking about quiet quitting and what that means to the cybersecurity industry and cybersecurity professionals. So we'll get to it. All right, so we're talking about quiet quitting and what that means to cybersecurity professionals and the cybersecurity industry as a whole. Um, how that impacts organizations from a cybersecurity perspective. Uh, so, Mike, what do you think? I think it's dangerous. <laughs> it is that. <laughs> it's very dangerous. It is that. It is that. So, uh, for so, and some of this information we're pulling from an article from VentureBeat.com. Yep. I thought it was a wonderful article. Yeah, it is. Very good, good read. One. It was released about three weeks ago, four weeks ago in in November, but. Um, <clears throat> quiet quitting and, and how it poses or why it poses a cybersecurity risk. And for those of you that don't know, quiet quitting is when you do like office space. You just stop caring, you know. Peter Gibbons from office space. Yeah. 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 It's like, I'm just not going to go anymore. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to pay bills anymore. Right. Uh, it, it's folks that have basically become disinterested in their role or their job. And so they, for the most part, stopped doing it. And what what I found interesting is that, uh, and I'll, I'll read this little snippet from, from the article. It goes, are your employees mentally checked out from their positions? According to Gallup, quiet quitters, workers who are detached and do no, workers who are detached and do the minimum required as part of the roles make up at least 50%. 50%. percent of employees. The U.S. workforce, yeah. That's crazy. I believe them. Well, of course, we have a lot of government experience. So we, we do see that. No, government, government experience, settings. they don't even do the bare minimal. <laughs> They've just, they're merit employees or they're protected or they're tenure or whatever they call it. That's a thing. That's a thing. Yeah, they do less than the minimum. Yeah. But I think, I guess we kind of need to back up and, and say where did it come from? I think COVID had a lot to do with it. Yeah, I'd agree. People being sent home, working from home if they were able to. Out from under their supervision, yeah. Or just being locked at home because the businesses that they worked for were shut down. Right. Uh, I think it changed people's minds. It changed the landscape of what was acceptable in the workplace. It, it did. It did. It, and it changed a lot socially with us. Like it, it messed a lot of people up. And more so than we already were because IT folks are notoriously antisocial. Yeah. Stare at the wall when you walk by, right? <laughs> we do it. We do it. I, I don't. Speaking as an introvert, yes, I'm, I'm a unicorn. That's a thing, right. I'm an extroverted IT guy, socially capable. <laughs> Mike is a unicorn. That's awesome. It's a unicorn. So, um, but it's, it's a big deal. It, it changed is, our perspective. It is a big deal. And so you look at it on the surface and the quiet quitting concept, you would you would think that, well, that means that they're not productive anymore, which, yeah, that is what that means. Not as productive. Not as productive, right. But it, it also means they've lost buy-in in their organization or their industry or their role or whatever it is that they've lost buy-in in. Um, and it, it means not only are they, they no longer productive like they may have been before, but now they may pose a risk to the organization from a cybersecurity perspective because they're not trying anymore. Like they've foregone all the concepts of paying attention to the things that you click on in emails, like the reply all button. 
I know a guy that did that. Uh, me too. I know him very well. Uh, but they, they're no longer paying attention to those, the details and the quirks about like a phishing email that would throw up flags. And uh, they may end up interacting with attachments or links or things like that. Um, whereas before, if they were trying, they may not have. There's a level of care. Right. They don't care about the organization as much, so they kind of check out. All they care about is getting their paychecks so they can keep the roof over their head. Right. So they're not looking to protect the organization anymore. Or to grow themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which that's a dangerous place to be in from the organization's perspective and from an individual perspective, a professional perspective. You can't stop growing. Uh, What is it about sharks? They stop swimming. They die. They Mm -hmm. suffocate. Yeah. They end up like goldfish in a tank. Belly up. Right. (laughs) So, so it, it also results, another, another risk that it results in is, is um, a lackadaisical approach to things like uh, credentials. So if they sign up for a service, they'll use the same credentials that they use to log into their, their corporate um, systems and things like that. You so, don't do that? No. Same password everywhere? <laughs> I do not do that, no. It just tends to perpetuate that mindset across the board and the things that they do. Bare minimal. Yeah, from, from, the, from their professional perspective in dealing with their organization yeah that's a good way to burn a house down yeah it is it is and so the the, this venture beat article did make the point that they they're not necessarily threats but they're certainly risks oh yeah and how how did you put that or it may have been the article that said it um that not all of these quiet quitters yeah become threats but they're all at least risks all of the threats are, you, you said it better. Let's do that. The article said it. The better. article said it great. And of course. You can't find it. I can't find it. There we are. Okay. So uh, quoting the VentureBeat article again, while quiet quitting and under-engaged employees constitute an insider risk, they're not necessarily a threat. Uh, but not, not every insider risk becomes an insider threat. However, every insider threat started as an insider risk. Absolutely. It's almost poetic. That's a very good way to put it. Yeah, and, and I wrote it better myself. <laughs> I bet Chat GPT could have. Chat GPT probably did. Right. Uh, so our job as cybersecurity professionals, though, is to minimize and mitigate risks. Right. I got a. I got a question for you. Sure. What What happens when your cybersecurity staff are the quiet quitters? The world ends. It's over. Just shut the shut lights off and go home. <laughs> I mean, imagine a SOC analyst that just doesn't care anymore. Yeah. And all those alerts that they get, they just close it and resolve it. And I knew a guy that used to do this. He would look at a, he would look at a ticket or a threat that came through, and he would say, uh, "Benign," or "No fault found." Oh my gosh! And just close it without triage, without actually looking at it. Oh my god! Because he just didn't care. Yeah. It's like a no threat found, closed, mitigated somewhere else, closed, and it. It was stuff that was open. That's so scary. So when you end up with a SOC analyst or a SOC engineer or, or hell, someone higher up, right, that's yeah. mentally checked out, uh, their whole job is to have the organization's <laughs> best interests front and center. Yeah, and if they're yeah. just up there collecting a check, that becomes a major issue. That's so dangerous, yeah. So then that brings the question of what can we do to minimize and mitigate those risks? Um, well... I mean, there's a lot. And I think the main thing you have to do is look at the root cause. And like we said, a lot of this came up during the pandemic. Because yeah. all of a sudden people, 
during the pandemic, people were stuck at home. They were starting side hustles or things to keep them entertained. People found love for woodworking or renovations. That's why wood disappeared during the time, right? Right, right. And so they found out that other things in life are more enjoyable than their regular job, which means maybe we need to do a better job of helping people find not just what pays the bills, but what makes them happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the work-life balance is a is a battle that America loses often, as it is. Other countries make fun of us for it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that this that look that at did, me, I'm an American. I work, <laughs> I work twenty <laughs> hours a day. I sleep for four. And Back way, to the grind. Right. But I, I think <laughs> that that did open up our eyes a little bit. It may have put it closer to the center. But as Americans, we tend to swing like a pendulum. So. Anything we do, we're going to go hand. We're going to be fat and lazy. We're going to go hard as we can and be right. fat and lazy. Right. We want to blow some stuff up. We're going to go hard and heavy <laughs> on blowing stuff up. There's a reason why all those memes exist. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. that... Like, and this, this is the thing. I'm sure this is happening everywhere. Uh, this article is specifically talking about the U.S. workforce, which is why this conversation is a little bit more um, pigeonholed than... Than globally, right. I don't go overseas, but I also know that there's a lot of holidays overseas. Holiday, what's like you know vacations or breaks that they take. Like some countries overseas, they just they leave for tea at eleven. They don't come back till three. Right. I could do that, but my tea ends with tequila, so <laughs> that's how that happens. So, I, I didn't think I didn't expect that. That's good. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So uh, you asked, how do we help prevent it, right? Right. Framing our mindset about how things were pre-pandemic and how they are now. What changed? Right. And one of the main things that we saw that changed was remote work. Yeah. A lot of state and enterprise governments don't do remote work. They weren't prepared for it either. They weren't prepared for it. So it was a major undertaking. Their employees got a taste of it. It's like that first hit of crack. You're just not going to put it down after that. (laughs) And then... You know, people are bringing folks back into the office. You see this with Twitter. A lot of people quit. I mean, Elon fired like 75% of them. Lots of them, yeah. But... And it's still running. Really? Yeah, it hasn't crashed yet. So I guess, oh, yeah, I guess that was platform. a lot of dead weight. Yeah. A lot of dead weight. Anyways, I digress. You, the, all these big enterprises like, uh, you know, Google and, and Microsoft and Twitter, and they still have a remote workforce. Apple but they're bringing a lot of their people back in the office. And that's right. where you're seeing a lot of this quiet quitting come from because people don't want to be back in the office. They really liked that the level of productivity they were turning in was acceptable when they were remote. Mm-hmm. But I think they don't like the percept- the perception that their supervisor is going to see that product required of them. Sure, yeah. Because they're, they're doing the same level of productivity, right? They're only working two or three hours a day. The rest of it is office socializing, which is actually a pretty critical part of the office is the, yeah. the uh, team building, team all, building yeah. and the relationships that you have. Right. You can't, if you can't talk at the water cooler with your, with your friends, I mean, what is it? But if you get rid of all the stuff that goes with being in the office, you can do a lot more with a shorter time and then, and then still accomplish things at home that you need to get done better. Yeah. That yeah. makes your life better. So remote work, you know, so we get it. Yeah. We get it. Um, but so, so mitigating some of those risks that are associated with quiet quitting, um, one of the biggest things would be access control, uh, heavily practice least privilege. And 
that should be practice anyway. It should be, but it should be to combat this specific issue, right? It needs to be. You need to be even more vigilant on it, right? And and we we've had a culture in the past, I'd say, 20, 30 years of folks when they need to do something, it working the first time and nothing ever impeding uh, a work attempt or whatever. But we've got to switch that mindset a little bit. We need to be able to let people do their jobs but we need to be able to let people do only their jobs and have have access, have no more access than is what, what's required to be able to perform their function. Um, what that translates to though, is every once in a while, they may perform a function that's, that's outside of their normal day to day. And we as cybersecurity professionals may limit that. You know, the role of being good at your job means you do other people's job as well. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we probably need to have more accountability for folks that don't execute. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to work-life balance. You have people with good work ethic. Yeah, they want to do well, so they just slay at their job. They knock it out of the park, mm-hmm. and then you end up in a situation where, oh, because you're good at that, I'm going to give you this as well. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're doing that well, so they put more on you, and that work-life balance goes away because your work ethic. And the way you are brought up prevents you from doing poorly. And then you die of a heart attack or a stroke shortly after. See, I'm not interested in that. No. <laughs> Got no interest in that. But we have that work ethic, which is why we are the way we are. Right, right. But that, I mean, all that leads to access creep. Access creep. So, like, you get more and more access because, because or you've just been given God all rights. access. Yeah, because there's no telling what we'll need you to do day to day. 99% of the time, the moment I'm in an organization, they just give me keys to the kingdom. Yeah, domain admin rights. I know. I know. And I've gotten to where when I when I start a new role at a place like that, I'll walk in and say, I don't want anything. If I Cut need it, it I'll ask for it specifically piece at a time. Um, Least privilege. That yeah. way, if I snap one day, you can't say that I <laughs> deleted all the things. Every other thing, yeah. Uh, so another one in addition to the least privilege, which least privilege is probably the most important, honestly. That yeah. way you can you can take the reins out of the hands of the the quiet quitters and let them do just what it is they need to do. Uh, but in addition to it, I would say security awareness training and and Venture Beat article also mentioned security awareness training is really important. Even though these guys aren't taking it to heart, they still need to have it in their minds that there may be repercussions if they bring uh, crypto locker into our organization and wreck it mm. just off of being lazy with email interactions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know we don't need to take the negative approach to security awareness training. We don't need to slap hands all the time, but I was about to say, if you want people to actually do security awareness training and pay attention to it, not just let it run in the background, take the quiz. Right. It's gotta be, it's got to be something that keeps their interest anyways. Right. And we're all a bunch of ADHD ferrets these days chasing the shiny things. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And so to make security awareness training impactful, again, negative reinforcement rarely works. Um, I don't know. You slap a dog when he does something wrong. He he don't do that usually. <laughs> yeah, but he, he responds to a treat a lot more efficiently than negative reinforcement typically. Plus, people aren't dogs all the time. Oh man, we're pretty dumb. We're, we get that way, yeah. We get that way. We get set in our ways. Yeah, that's my corner. But I mean, I've I've found that like the gamification of of some security awareness training can get people involved with it. 
Um, the the way that it's presented also, I think, is is one way. Taking it from, I've been one place where it was a full like eight to twelve hours of security awareness training for an end user, and then to other places. That sounds like a medical institution, in some fashion. May have been, but it's um, or the the other side of that spectrum is it, it, for effective cybersecurity training programs. Um, I think nugget size stuff like uh, five, ten, fifteen minutes once a week or a month is way more effective than 12, a 12 hour brain beat session where you're reading individual policies over and over. So we need the Chick-fil-A chicken nugget approach. Give you <laughs> wonderful little bites of security awareness. Yeah. Delicious. Now craving Chick-fil-A security bites. We can do that, which we're not yet sponsored by Chick-fil-A, right? Not yet. It'd be nice. They do run a lot of Fortinet gear in their environment. Do they? What I'm told. That'd huh. be pretty tight. Well, I know a guy that I, I know. I happen to be pretty damn good at Fortinet gear. So Chick-fil-A, if you see this, <laughs> and do some consulting. Yeah. But yeah. So we kind of touched on it, um, specifically with stock analysts. How, like, how do you find out or how do you, you have to be a good manager, right? You have to be, you have to have good observation skills, good people skills and stuff like that. What the hell do you do? When it's a cybersecurity guy or an information security guy, or I'm gonna give you an opinion. Yeah, an like opinion. how do you keep them from quiet quitting? So th- the documentation guy from your audits or your assessments, right? So you don't actually know what's there because he doesn't care. Well, <laughs> that how do you keep that guy from jumping off the roof? Um, so I think a lot of it comes from the HR perspective, and I don't mean cybersecurity professionals need to also become human resources professionals. I don't I don't mean that. I just mean, if you're in a leadership role in a cybersecurity organization, I don't think, again, my opinion, I don't think we need managers. We need leaders that may need to manage every once in a while. Oh, the boss first leader. Right, right. Like the, the, the leader relationship with these people, in my opinion, is so much more key because of how crappy cybersecurity work is. No one goes into cybersecurity and wants to be a SOC analyst. <laughs> no one says, I can't wait to look forward to eight hours of digging through text. Yeah. If they yeah. do, they're a psychopath and we need to keep an eye on them. Watch those guys. Especially. Watch those. Too. Right, right. I don't know. So I, I was I was on a, a, a discussion board one time with a dude that was an incident responder. Like he led incident response teams. He would show up in an organization that had, that had been breached, and he and his team were the the shining knights that came in and got organizations back up in operation. Here we come to right. save the day. They had been extremely negatively impacted by by threat actors. And these guys come in, they ride in, they figure out what where the entrance point was, they figure out where all they went, and they clean all that stuff up, and they hand these guys their their uh, their environment back along with a report of some mitigation steps that they can perform that might help in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, I was telling this guy, like from my perspective, it's all the including incident response. That's certainly a piece of it, but there's the day to day drudgery of SOC work, of uh, GRC work of CISO meetings, of translating business needs into security outcomes. And, and I was like... Budgetary meetings is right. a cybersecurity perspective where they don't want to give you the money until after the breach has right. happened. So you got to fight for it beforehand. Yeah. And, and, I, and I told, like I said to everybody in the room, I was like, I, I think cybersecurity is awful. It is very difficult. It's super hard. It's, it's either drudgery or it's panic. I mean, it's 
there, it's really difficult and it's really hard to accomplish. And I think it's it's terrible, but you have to love it to stay in it. Which is why we're going to have a three and a half million <laughs> position shortage yeah. globally in a industry that pays so damn well. It pays really. It can. They pay will really throw well. money at you if you can even spell, spell IT, right. IT. Much <laughs> less if you spell information security and you have a decent brain on your head, you can make a lot of money working right. in cybersecurity. You really can. But you got to be ready for stress and you got to be ready for all that. But that's why we have people quiet quitting is because their perspective has changed. Right. And that's, that's, well, that's what the guy was saying. He was like, no, I disagree. This, this incident responder was saying, I disagree that cybersecurity is really exciting and it's all these great things. And I was like, but dude, his perspective you're is focused different. in on one thing and you're the hero consistently. He's not the guy that's going to get fired because he's not right. patient zero. Right. He's, he's coming in after the fact. And again, he's the hero. We're the guys that have to tell folks, no, let's find a better way for you to share your PII. With Everybody loves Batman. Right. Gotham PD gets the, the bad right. and the, the Dagamarkham Asylum. The bad, yeah, because they're the ones that let the bad guys get Right, them. I know. So Anyway, that, that's that's my rant for the afternoon. You have to love what you do. Yeah. And right. I think on some level, you have to have a pretty damn good relationship with your staff. Yeah. You're, not just your direct reports, but um, the people around you. So uh, where we're at, we have a really good relationship with not only our specific team, but also our leadership, their leadership. You know, we have people that believe in us, which helps right. make us feel better about what we do, even on bad days. So, yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> so, yeah, quiet quitting. <laughs> if you have four people, two of them are probably already quiet quitting. <laughs> so pay attention because it, it's, it's a risk. It's not always a threat. Right. But it's most definitely a risk. All the threats were risks at one point. Yeah. Eventually. And uh, again, shout out the Venture Beat for the badass article. It uh, covers a pretty good a pretty good list of things that people need to pay attention to. So, And we'll post a link to the, to the article in the video description as well. Yep. So you guys can read it and you can form your own opinions. So... Thank you so much, guys, for your time today. Um, if you have any comments or questions specifically about quiet quitting and what we're doing uh, in our daily lives to help combat this potential risk and or threat, uh, please don't hesitate to comment below. And of course, if you haven't already, like, subscribe, and uh, let us know your thoughts. We're trying to make this as organic as possible and to provide a wide breadth. So we're going to do instructional videos. We're going to do videos about uh, studying for certain certifications, how-to videos on how to get into certain roles, whether it's ethical hackers, SOC analysts, cybersecurity engineer, et cetera. Uh, I know we did some videos explaining what those were, but now, you know, how do you progress into that career? Um, so, but yeah, thank you for your time and uh, we'll see you next time.